Five days after the surrender of the South and the effective end of the American Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln went to the theater with his wife to watch a comedy. The events which then unfolded would have effects on the world that would echo through eternity. His assassination would spark new divisions, uncomfortable conversations, and ultimately the forging of a nation broken apart by civil war. Edward Curtis, an army surgeon in attendance at Lincoln's autopsy, recounted that a bullet clattered into a waiting basin during the doctor's removal of Lincoln's brain. He wrote that the team stopped to stare at the offending bullet. The cause of such mighty changes in the world's history as we may never perhaps realize. Blind History, Season 2. We're going to go to America in this episode. We'll talk about a guy who is regarded by most historians, scholars, and the public as being one of the greatest American presidents of all. A man who wore bizarre hats, which no one wears anymore. I mean, no one would be seen dead in one of these hats. Mostly because eventually Lincoln was seen dead in one of these hats. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, the American statesman, lawyer, 16th president. And Anthony Meadow and I are here to guide you through a little life history lesson of, um, of Abraham Lincoln's. You like him? Yeah, I liked him a lot. He was easygoing, Aquarian. Yeah, which I think is oh, his star sign. Star sign is an Aquarian. <laughs> That's very important. Well, I mean, I'm an Aquarian, so I thought you know there oh, must so be some link. Then they must be nice people. Oh, exactly. That's <laughs> I was leading. I was leading up to that. Abe, honest Abe, as they called him, he came from a poorer frontier family in Illinois, and he was self-educated. He he eventually went into politics at quite a young age. Actually, he became the leader of a party called the Whigs, which mirrored more or less the two-party system of the U- UK. Um, the Whigs were more the liberals. He eventually obviously became a state legislator and eventually a congressman. Um, and then he left government just suddenly, went into law again. Sounds a little bit like Pixley Kaisakaseme. So first of all, he was well-liked. I mean, he was a master storyteller. People loved him. So wherever he went... He could tell these stories and draw crowds in, and and they all wanted to listen to the, all the different stories. So he would take a whole lot of facts, fluff them up, and come into these incredible stories. So he gained popularity. This was a driving force in his life. He could speak to the people, from leaders of business to top agricultural leaders to the, the people on the street. I heard that, that Abraham Lincoln was actually a really – you know, like an ordinary guy. Yes. Like everybody felt they could relate to him. He wasn't trying to be extremely clever. He wasn't trying to be fancy or rich or, you know, from a great family or any of that stuff. He was a very down-to-earth, straightforward, salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. He I was. suppose that's where his, his appeal lay for so many people. But he, he did get angry, and he was, he was really passionate about the issue of slavery, for some reason, because in America this was not the norm, he was really uptight when he heard about the Democrats opening up new territories to slavery and decided to go back into politics after practicing Correct. law. So it was a real motivation for him. Um, and he became leader of the new Republican Party, mostly because he got attention. He got into a debate with the leader of the Democrats, uh, Stephen A. Douglas, and he just wiped the floor with this guy. He tore him to pieces. In the debate, everyone said Lincoln is the guy to watch. And subsequently, he ran for president in 1860. 
and he he swept the north. I mean, there wasn't a, a state that didn't like him. He came in with great results across the board. And obviously, the southern states took this as a very bad sign. They did. And then they decided to leave. Yeah. Secession. Seven of them. They, they considered Abraham Lincoln's um, election as a declaration of war against their right, their constitutional right to own slaves. And so they seceded from the Union. That's correct. But if we go back, and when you said just earlier about being an ordinary man, I mean, he was born in a, in a shoebox, really. Uh, it was it was a tiny little place. That's really and, shit. I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, it was tiny. It was that was in in Kentucky, and the mom couldn't read, but she was very intelligent. Dad was a quiet guy, and they moved because of slavery out of Kentucky, and that's where they ended up in Illinois. Finally, he was actually self taught, right? Correct. Yeah, one year in school, president of the United States, and actually one of the greatest presidents. He had one year in school. Makes President Zuma look like an overachiever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, they said between Washington, Abe Lincoln, and Donald Trump are the greatest presidents of the United States. <laughs> Don't know about the yeah, last yeah, one. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> he was not pleased when the South declared secession from the Union. Not at all. And he confronted radical Republicans in his own party who actually wanted harsher treatment of the South. He reined them in. He confronted war Democrats who wanted to go straight to war. Um, and won over the moderates, obviously, in, in the result of that. He was against anti-war Democrats because he called them copperheads, and he pitted these factions against each other. So he was very clever about getting his enemies to fight amongst themselves yeah. so that they didn't fight with him. And the Confederates actually declared war on the Union, so meaning declared war on what should have been the United States. Right. And after that point, they went to war, the Civil War, and, and he used that to his advantage on the slavery side. One of the big points he said was he didn't want to go against the law of the land, and he felt the voters had to make a decision on slavery. He was anti-slavery, but it would be very difficult for him as president to pass that. So he used the war as an opportunity with emancipation uh, proclamation, proclamation yeah. in that any slave that was captured or managed to escape into Union territory was free. And That's that caused right. mayhem. That and he actually ordered the army because – Part of the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 was that the army was ordered to protect escaped slaves. And Correct. they were encouraged on the border to outlaw slavery. So that's obviously the border between the North and South. And then eventually they pushed through the 13th Amendment, which outlawed slavery in the whole of the continental United States. It was quite a big move. That was a significant move. Again, I mean, slavery had supposedly been abolished already. But the South, their whole economy was based on slavery. Correct. And it was agrarian, so it was quite backward. The North had all the industry and all the good ideas and the real businesses and all the rest of it. The South was still very uh, backward in many ways. And, and one of the most backward things about them was the fact that they had slaves. Yeah. Although there were four states that decided to stay with the Union. Mm. And that became tricky for him because then he left them with the fact that they had slaves. So he, you had to work it out somehow. Yeah. You had to figure out how he was going to. Yeah, get we look, this. we look at a lot of this stuff. And I remember listening to a previous episode of this, this series. And we look at history and we say, well, according to the, the mores and the norms of now, they should have done this and they mm. could have done that, but it didn't work like that. And it's if a he, different world. if he just tried to outlaw slavery 
on the face of it, he would have been out of office very, very Correct. quickly. I mean, eventually they did get him out of office, but it was because of a bullet from I a know. gun. Exactly. He did make that very famous Gettysburg Address, which has been quoted a million times, and it starts with a dating four score and seven mm. years ago uh, – Ancestors. Anyway, the point of the, the Gettysburg Address is that it, it brought nationalism, republicanism, equal rights, liberty, and democracy to the fore. And those were very big ideals of his and things that he really wanted to engender into the United States going forward. And he succeeded largely. And can you imagine, it's, to your point, it's a very different time. Presidents didn't speak to the people. No. So the fact that he had that opportunity – look, Gettysburg, he opened a cemetery for the amount of people that were killed in the Union-Confederate War, mm. and um, a significant amount of people were killed. And it was a very powerful speech, and the people had never seen somebody that's going to talk to them like that. He was incredibly popular. People didn't actually say a word after that speech. They didn't when, applaud. They didn't do anything. They were blown they were away. Just, yeah, they were completely gobsmacked. Completely, yeah. From that perspective, he managed to explain what was going on in his head. And he – he was conciliatory. Like he didn't say we must take out retribution on the South now. These are our brothers. We must embrace them in the new United States going right. forward. We've won, played, but he wasn't mean about it. Not at all. He played Dixie. He gave a speech. Finally, when Lee was taken down by Ulysses S. Grant and they had that, there was the peace treaty that was set up. He played Dixie. He says, I'm, I'm so glad now that this is part of our country once again. Hmm. He obviously was very involved in the war himself because he was one of those guys who couldn't just be a politician that appointed the generals and left alone. He closely supervised every single move during the war. He was very involved in how the naval blockade was put into play, which was a major part of why the South lost in the end because they just throttled their supply lines. And the South was supported by the French largely at that stage, which people forget. But they also managed to keep Britain out of it, which was important mm. because it was an American civil war. They didn't want international interference. And when he'd ended slavery and the war was over, he managed a massive reconciliation campaign and went around the country trying to get people to get along a little better. It was a, it was a big deal in those days, really big deal. Um, he was shot by John Wilkes Booth in April 1865 in a theater, Ford Theater in Washington. The guy was an actor. Correct. And he was pro-slavery. That's right. And he was said to be the handsomest man in America. <laughs> That's what they said. I got a question for you. Why is it that serial killers or, or assassins are always – there are always three names, John Wilkes Booth. Lee Harvey Oswald. It's true. I've have you noticed that? Yeah, exactly. Always, they always have three names. Even uh, who was uh, John Lennon's killer? Mark David Chapman. Always three names. True. It's very but maybe bizarre. it's because they decide to say it as that because, I mean, I've got a few middle names. <laughs> so it could so be just – Maybe you're if, an assassin if, uh, yeah, if I assassinated somebody, they might say all of that. But, uh, you know, I can't really answer that question. But he – what this guy did was – he was standing in the crowd when he gave that speech and when he played Dixie. And they got a photograph of him and his henchmen standing next to each other. And you can just see their faces were, were grim. And he was, he was mad. He, was, he, was, he said that, that Lincoln is going to destroy him. He was just starting his second term. The Civil War just ended or was in the process of ending. And this guy is going to destroy our country. So he took it upon himself. He thought he'd be a national hero once he'd murdered or assassinated Lincoln, and he knew the theater so well because of the fact that he'd acted there so much, shot him in the back of the head, 
then jumped dramatically from the balcony down onto the stage. Down onto the stage, disappeared and went into hiding. They found him. The whole of America went into massive mourning of the loss of such an incredible president. And they found him and killed him while he was trying to run away. But what it did do is it did turn Lincoln into a martyr. Correct. And he became the symbol that everyone could rally around. And in some way, it probably unified America even more. He's ranked, as I said earlier, as one of the greatest presidents of all time. The fact that he had, during that fairly short term as president, um, he'd managed to preserve the Union, lead the country through civil war, abolish slavery, strengthen the federal government, and modernize the U.S. economy. These are not small achievements. Not at all. And what he did was, with so little education, he self-taught himself, and his stepmom helped him. He really loved his stepmom. And he read so many books. He went to the bar himself after being self-taught. So there's so many things that he did. He had a very unsuccessful stint as a congressman. And then he was president. It was absolutely crazy what he did. It's almost like whatever position he went into, he he was made for it. It was almost like he was made for this for this position. War. He didn't know anything about war. If you look at who he was fighting against. Robert E. Lee, yeah. He'd been a hero in the Mexican War. The only thing Abraham Lincoln got was mosquito bites from a little incursion they had with some of the Indians. So he had no experience, but he turned out to be a decent strategist. He kicked McLennan out, who was his first general. The troops loved McLennan, but he would never engage. And it frustrated the heck out of Lincoln. So he said, no, I'm going to do this myself. He got Ulysses S. Grant, which was phenomenal general. And with him and his strategic thinking and the Emancipation Proclamation made a big difference because then they started sneaking out of southern states, all the slaves. Mm. He managed to achieve incredible results. Yeah, I, I, he looked really horrible, though. I mean, he was an ugly bastard. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he really is. I mean, I see him on the – I think he's on the $5 bill. And you think there can't be a person that ugly who wart right on the side of his face and <laughs> this weird little beard and those long hats. and It's just a terrible look. It really is. It's a very bad look. Of course, he didn't die there and then in the theater either. He He lived for about – a few hours after that and he got an enormous funeral mm. and it was the first time that really uh, pictures of a funeral of that scale have, have ever been taken because photography was quite a new thing and obviously it's now part of American national history correct in, in I mean a, the big President's way. Day it's him in Washington right. I believe and still today they take the trek back to his hometown, the same trek he took from Springfield to the White House. People still do a pilgrimage where everybody gets on the train and follows the sad couple of days where he's on the train and the coffin gets taken back to Springfield. Amazing. So there he is, one of the greatest presidents of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Thanks for listening to the award-winning Blind History, brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters.